0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, everybody! Welcome to this
1: episode of Mama's Talking Loud. I'm Jessica Rush, and I'm Kara Cooper. And you're listening to our episode with Karen Olivo, currently starring as Satine in Moulin Rouge. Uh-oh. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. I'm Kara Cooper, and I'm Jessica Rush, and today we have Tony Award winner Karen Olivo. Welcome.
0: Hello. What's up, guys? <laughs> I felt the need to sing your name. I like it. Yeah, do I it, like do those it. O's that, on either end. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Karen is currently starring as Satine in Moulin Rouge here on the Broadway. Mm-hmm. She also uh, was in, in the Heights and Brooklyn. Remember that show? Yeah. And Rent. <laughs> that was ages ago. That was a long time ago. Uh-huh. I know. we've The three of us have been here for a, for while. a while. For a minute. Um, for a minute. Uh, but, Karen, thank you for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Um, it is early. Early, early. A dreary New York day. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to speak to Karen because uh, in our Journey to Motherhood series, we are you know covering all aspects of motherhood and how people come to motherhood. And Karen is a stepmom. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to talk to her about that. And so if you just jump right in, maybe just give yeah. us a broad overview of the kiddos. And yeah. Well, I'll
2: start with, I do not, I don't call myself a stepmom. That's
1: great. That's awesome.
2: I call them my kids. Yeah. I don't say they're my stepkids. Because I was, when I first, I met them when they were, I want to see, Alex was in first grade and Maddie was uh, in fourth or fifth grade. Um, they... You know, they, they definitely had a relationship with their mother, their biological mother. And um, I stepping in, I kind of felt like if I was to label myself as half of something, they would assume possibly in their youth that that meant that I loved them half as much. Mm-hmm. So um, I just said, you're my kid. And they were like, okay. And because they're young and they don't <laughs> yeah. know and yeah. they've never had parents before other than, you know, Alex was just like, yeah, that's, you know, that's who she is. Um, they, um, So Alex is now 13. <gasps>
1: okay, whoa. whoa. Yeah, he'll
2: be 13 actually this week. But um, Maddie is 16 and she just oh. got her driver's My. license. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. That feels really bad and good. (laughs) Yeah. It's such a milestone. But, um, yeah, those are my kids. Oh, my gosh. And they're both incredible kids. Like, I know a lot of people say my kid is the best, but my kids (laughs) are not only super smart and kind and really good at uh, thinking about others, Um. They're just, they never get into trouble. Mm.
0: I don't know how that's possible. wonderful.
2: (laughs) You know, sometimes they try not to do their chores, but, like, I don't, I'll never have to worry about them.
0: That's Um, such a relief. Yeah, we're really, we're
2: lucky. We're very lucky. And do they, do do they live, they don't live here, right? No, they live in Madison, Wisconsin. That's where I live permanently. I'm just working in New York right now. Oh, got it. Okay.
1: Okay. Mm
2: -hmm. And, um... Yeah, so th- we spend, they spend half of their time um, with their dad and then half of their time with their biological mom. All right.
1: All right. Okay. okay. Cool. Was it a difficult transition for you, for them? Mm. What was that? Well, you know, when I met them, I was just dad's friend
2: for a while. Yeah. And I would come and visit and stay with them sometimes and, you know... We were very careful to not introduce me as anything other than that. And then after I would say like the fourth or fifth time that I would come and stay and hang out with them and play, um, Jim, my husband and I decided that we were gonna try to make a go of it. And so we asked them first if you know how would they feel about. They used to call me Carrot. They didn't call me Karen. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long story. Um, we asked, "Would you like Carrot to come and live?" in our house. And they were like, yeah, of course. <laughs> and so at that point we decided, okay, then we can do this. And, um, yeah. And then I moved in and shortly after that we were married and it just kind of, it should not have worked as well as it did when I look at it, mm-hmm. when I think about it. Right.
0: Well, there's so many parts of it. Yeah. You moving know. parts. Yeah.
2: Yeah. They were just, because they're good kids, they kind of rolled with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I was very careful not to try to do anything other than what I do. like I w- you know, their biological mothers has a very specific role in their life, and I am so different from her that it actually worked out really well. The three of us now parent them from different sides, yeah, and we are pretty comfortable with handing off to the other person, like that's your expertise, handle that. Um, and so, yeah, it I don't know. It's kind of a dream. That's amazing. That's Did it take
0: y'all a while to get to that place? Yeah, it was dark. Yeah. There was a dark yeah, period of sure. time. Uh, yeah. You know,
2: there was, you know, there were some issues with, I mean, I don't know what it feels like to be, a, you know, to have children and then have a divorce and then have someone come in and you don't mm-hmm. know them very well. Um, so it was tough for their mom and me at first because... We are so different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you you know, we did a really, I think we did a good job of not involving them mm. and trying to get to know each other. Um, and over time, as all things work out, they eventually work out. You stay the course. You keep right. reassuring the person. This is the person that I am. This is what I want for our family. And you show up. And then eventually they just understand it's going to be okay yeah,
0: yeah. well the, you have the have common to- the common goal is to just love and and raise these children yeah, yeah.
1: but yeah. i would i would as as a biological parent i feel like that would be hard for a mom yeah. oh yeah. To, to to just inherently trust someone new so like oh, you yeah. said you just have to show up and you have to Im- embody the person that you know that you are so they can then trust you with yeah that. wow that was that's yeah, deep. That that's is a lot. a lot. Yeah. That's here we go. Yep.
0: Um, well, how did you did you meet Jim? Because was this okay? Yeah. So yeah. Go back. You win the Tony. Mm-hmm. You've been in New York for a while. You're mm-hmm. doing TV, and um, mm-hmm. there was something after West Side. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Theater wise. Yeah.
2: yeah. I did Murder Ballad That's, that year, that's right. and he- I did Tick Tick Boom.
0: And yeah. I, right. Yeah, something at the public. So there was other stuff happening. Yeah, and and then and then you you left. Yeah, <laughs> and then there was and it was and a thing. It was a thing. Like I it's mean, so did you silly. think it would be like such God, a no. thing? I'm sure like not. when Karen retired no. or left or it was. <laughs> but did that was the impetus for that? James and the kids. Like yeah, it was. Well, a little bit. I mean, I knew J- uh, James is his right, correct sorry, name, yes, but Jim. I call him Jim.
2: Um. I knew him because we did Brooklyn together. He was an A2 he was a oh, sound wow, assistant so he was the person who like put on my mic so we knew each other for many years and we oh, were wow. just friends. Um, we lived really close to each other in Brooklyn so we would sometimes ride the subway home together and we stayed in touch over the years you know I was married to someone else he was obviously married um, and then our relationships years later ended around six months apart. Mm. He was six months before me, and I happened to be living in L.A. doing a TV show when um, when I started to decide I don't necessarily want to be in L.A. anymore. And he had come through to visit his sister in L.A., and he looked me up on Facebook and said, we should hang out. It, it seems as if you need a friend. Mm-hmm. And then that's what sort of rekindled our relationship. Um, and then I became bi-coastal at that point,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I would stop in Madison oh. on my way to New York because that's where he was. Yeah. Okay. And that's how I got to meet the kids, and yeah. that's how I got to meet his family and get to know Madison. And I kept popping around, doing all of these different things. I had a handful of like projects that I was looking at that sort of fell through, and then I was like, "What am I doing? Like, I'm not happy on either coast. Um, my work is suffering because mm-hmm. there's literally nothing in the tank." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh and then I was like, I'm just going to stop doing this. And I have this other thing that I keep. I would arrive in Madison and I would feel like, oh, this is it. Like like when you walk into your house mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, I'm about to put on my pajamas. Right. Like That's what it felt like to land in Madison. Mm. And then I would go to New York and not feel that. And yeah. then I would show up in LA and not feel that. And then I was like, screw all of this. I'm just going to go to the place where I feel settled and I feel right. And then I'm going to work on myself because – Karen is not okay. Walking into all of these rooms, trying to be somebody that she's
0: not—that's girl. Yeah. I mean, and the minute you said like you would land in Madison and and feel that you were home, like the place that you would put on yeah. your pajamas, like I totally get that. And yeah, when you get to a point where it's such a stark contrast to how you feel in other places, how? I mean, kudos to you for not ignoring that. Yeah, for you listening know? to, for your, listening to oh. your. I mean. You, you clearly are someone who listens to yourself and, like, makes your decisions, you know? You live yeah. the best life for you, regardless of
1: expectation or, you know... Which is really hard in this industry. Yeah. It's really hard to not have other people's expectations of you yeah. dictate the choices you make. Mm-hmm. So, like like Jessica said, kudos. That's a, that's a big step. Were you surprised by
0: the response? Well, what made you feel like you needed to write the letter
2: i had been documenting a lot of stuff i'd just been like because i do write Mm -hmm. but i don't really publish anything and i don't share it with many people but i had just started a blog and so i was sort of i would write it and then i would send it to like my friend andrea and like mandy and janet and be like i just wrote this thing and um and so when i decided to make that decision it had come out sort of artfully in my Mm -hmm. brain Mm -hmm the decision sort of felt like something that I needed to document. And then I was like, well, I'll put it on the blog, that's easy. I maybe I'm just stupid. I just didn't really expect it to be that much of an issue because I'm one person floating on this rock in the middle of no, like, right. who right. who cares what I right. do, mm-hmm. decide where I decide to right. live, truthfully, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, but our business being what it is, <laughs> everyone's business is everyone's business. Uh, yeah. um, and then it turned into something that seemed really silly and i remember like right afterwards it was during pilot season i think i i had put that out and it became an issue and i had lunch with my friend telly and he looked at me and he was like people are gonna say whatever they want about your choices he's like if you don't if it doesn't feel right to you to explain yourself then don't explain yourself and i was like you're right yeah yeah i don't care what the business decided I'm going to do, they don't really...
0: Well, this business is going to keep on ticking. Exactly. It doesn't matter. It's going to hear the story fix- and then it's going to like keep on moving. And, and then look who's popping. You know and what look I mean? who's back. Like, exactly. And now Karen is here again. It's like, yeah. so I, just, I left it. I yeah.
2: was like, yeah, t- whatever you think I did is what I did. Just leave me alone.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> well, it's so interesting, too, because the, in the time when you wrote the blog, social media hadn't co- really become this thing. How and now, right. Yeah. Now, right. like you make right? an announcement okay. on social media, it's like, yeah, this is for the public to yeah. do with what they will. But how yeah. were you to know that it was going to turn? Into this oh thing, my God. it was a
2: press release. I had
1: no yeah, idea that yeah, you were release. writing a yeah. press release about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy and clearly, like I love to see. Like I was, I,
0: I mean, I would see things of you like talking about doing the pottery and being in Madison, and it was clearly agreeing with you. You know what I mean? It's like so often. I mean, truthfully, there's part of me that's like, God, I wish something, I always say, I wish something would just come out of the sky and be like, this is what you should do yeah. instead. Just because what we do is so hard yeah. and unstable and the time commitment and the energy it takes from ourselves and our family. So there was a part of me that was like, good for Karen. I know, right? <laughs> Way to do it. I mean, truthfully, because it's, it is exhausting living this life. So to yeah. step away, and not be afraid to do, or maybe you were afraid. I don't feel like you were, though. You probably Doesn't were like, that way.
2: Mm, I'm good, y'all. It felt like
0: the only choice. Oh.
2: Because I knew every time I would come to New York and I would try to do work, I was like, this is not right. Mm. Like, I am, nothing in here is clicking. And if I'm here to do the work and I can't do the work, then I have to go figure out how to get back to the place where I can
1: actually right, do the right. thing that I love. Exactly. Then why are you here? Like, if you can't yeah. do it, why are it's you just here? just dumb. Yeah.
0: So when you got to Madison then, so does, does their biological mom live in Madison as she well? She lives, like, minutes from us. Oh, yeah. great. So then were you just, you jumped right in? Yeah. Yeah, instant. Now, did you? Ignorantly so. Right. <laughs> Truthfully. Well, I was going to ask you, like, did you want to be a mom? Was motherhood something like in terms of always wanted to be really? a really? Yeah. Oh, I mean,
2: my first like make believe was me like having a husband named Jack. I love and, that name. And I had two kids. <laughs> one didn't have a name. The other one was named Taco. If you nice. know, <laughs> if you know me, like Taco, uh-huh. it makes a lot of <laughs> sense. But that, um, yeah, I always wanted to be a mom. Mm. Yeah, and then you know the. It, it, since we're being very honest, it came to a point in which Jim and I really thought that we were going to have Mm. our own child. And after trying and trying and trying, I realized I was not able to do it. Mm. I had had fibroids. Mm. I had so many health complications. And then I was like, the more I thought about it, we were like, well, maybe we'll adopt. And I kept, you know, I'm still parenting these two kids and I'm still getting to know. And I was like if we go to the extent of looking for another child how will my two children currently look at the situation
1: mm-hmm. you know right. at some yeah.
2: point they'll be like well, you needed another one you are you have we two you have enough. a boy and a girl it's yeah. not like right. you're like i want a boy and i right. don't have right. one. you know what i mean yeah yeah so then it became an issue of like this is what i've been given and they're incredible let's throw all of our resources at these two human beings and it just ended up
1: being the thing, I'm, like I, mean, I said, it worked. I don't know how it worked, but it worked. Well, the way you, I, just listening to the story, your story, your story of listening to yourself and feeling when things weren't right and moving to the place where things were right, it all fell into place. Yeah. You wanting to be a mother, you getting to be a mother, something that mm-hmm. might have been difficult. sounded like it was going to oh, be difficult for you. it was be you. so difficult for You us. know, you were given this, I don't know, this gift of a family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had actually
2: had a handful of friends, too, who, um had been trying for many many years to have a child and i had watched them struggle and the monetary constraints mm. and the, the physical constraints and the relationship issues like it is so difficult and i was like i why would i do that to this yeah. mm-hmm. this unit um so then it just made perfect sense to just be happy with what i was given
0: I think that's wonderful. I mean, it's lovely, you know, because it is very true. The journey of whether IVF or surrogacy or adoption, adoption or, you know what I mean? It's, it is quite expensive mm-hmm. and the toll it can take on relationships. And, and like you said, you had two kids. So there's probably a part of them that had y'all worked so hard to have a child or to adopt one even more so like if you're adopt one then it's like wait a minute
1: yeah we were already here and then
0: you're gonna get another adopted then, a, yeah you moved no, here for Just because <laughs> you wanted to like have a baby baby you know yeah, what i mean so yeah. there are probably plenty of babies you can hold uh, all yeah. around <laughs> You know what I mean? Exactly. like i feel like i can go smell we a baby. know lots of moms yeah exactly <laughs> but um i just I, think that's so lovely i really am in awe of you karen with regard to how you listen and honor what you feel within yourself. Well, that's yeah, yeah. That's really on all things. I mean, you've, this has now come up a couple of times. Yeah, we've exactly. Been chatting and I just think that, um, it's so difficult to do that. And so often, especially as women, I think, and women, perhaps Latina women, like their expectations or their assumptions. Oh, and yeah. I think that going down this journey and just putting all of the bullshit aside mm-hmm. and being your person is really, Admirable. I'm really I'm soups impressed, girl. Thanks. That's Thanks. real. Yeah, that's awesome. So um I know you do that some charity work and mm-hmm. that um really um arts education is important to, I did not know, I just found this out that your dad was a drama teacher. It was, yeah. Oh, My dad's a drama teacher. Too. <laughs> yes. When I read this, I was like, what? Yeah. In Florida. Yeah. Mine too. In At West Orange. High school. That's yeah. crazy. I know. In Orlando. <laughs> well, Winter Garden. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Girl. I literally, when I read that last night, I was like, we've never talked about that. Yeah. That's well, crazy. Well, then you know. So it was in your oh, life. Girl. Girl, there was no <laughs> there, other. You didn't have a choice. <laughs> there was no choice. Yeah. yeah. My dad this was my first director.
2: Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People are like, why do you always do it like that? And I was like, because I hear my dad's voice in my head, right? He's saying, mm-hmm. you have to do it this way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. Oh my God. But maybe your dad let you play a lead part. My dad didn't <laughs> cast me <laughs> <laughs> as Annie. <laughs> nope. so Nope. no, nope. no, nope. Good. So we're in that. There's together. deep seated yep. issues over here. I was always in the back. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. I didn't sing loud enough in an audition, so I didn't get to be Annie, but that's fine. <laughs> oh my God. I'm over it
1: no. No. at the age at least, of 39. It's better, though, than having like a stage mom. You know, <laughs> your, your dad's, you know, taught you. Like you aren't always going to be the lead, you know. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. but now you are. There's that Tony winner, (laughs) so I
0: can only imagine the how proud he is of you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah, How special that is. But because of that, I'm sure is why arts education. You've seen the impact firsthand um, in communities. How important it is.
2: Yeah. I mean, I truthfully, the the thing with art is, I I feel like it's it's not just about the um, you know, the community building or the, the creation of art, but I, I see how it rounds an individual. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, from a very young age, I was, I was taught to accept everyone and to work with people that I didn't understand and to make something impossible happen. Mm -hmm. And that shapes somebody. And that became the thing that I was like, Oh, and especially like kids from troubled backgrounds. Like I was a kid who had a troubled background and that sort of safe haven. That is something that you cannot, I, I don't know anything else that does that.
0: Agreed. I agree. I would definitely agree with that.
2: So I, that just became like a you know, my dad being a uh, a director and a teacher, a lot of times I would just sort of follow him around and mm-hmm. do stuff with him. And then it became something that made me feel like I was a small person, like making a change in the world when you're so young. Like I remember in high school, I would do like, they'd have like musical theater camps and when I got to a certain age, they were like, okay, Karen, you can teach like the improv class. Mm. And I remember being like, oh, I'm actually like, I'm contributing something. And I'm just like this kid. Mm. And that's huge. Mm -hmm. And then I realized later on that like education is like the way you change the future. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, well, why would I want to do anything else? Mm. Um, Had my grade, my grades been better, maybe I would have just been an educator, like a you know,
1: mm-hmm. a history Apology. teacher or yeah. something. Yeah. But, but now you're in a position where people will seek your advice because of your expertise in this field. So, you, you think. Know, <laughs> yeah. Is it not that way? <laughs> you no. Know. I mean, truthfully, my dream job is just to, like, teach
2: acting. Yeah. That's my dream job. Um, I'll do this Broadway thing for a while. <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. yeah. Don't. Everyone, just calm down. <laughs> she, she's she she is not committed to be on Broadway. To it, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: she still wants to be here. But yeah, yeah. I there
2: mean, was actually a period of time in which someone offered me my dream job, and it was at a college. They were like, "Yeah, just come and like be, be on staff and do your thing." And and I was like, "Oh, wow." And then they're like, "You're just gonna have to get your degree." And I was like, "Right." Huh. Yeah. That degree. Right. I'm like a year away from getting the rest of my degree, so. Well,
0: Eh, whenever you want to, you know. Maybe after
2: Milan Rouge, I'll just go and get the rest of those credits and
0: just. Yeah, you'll have like you'll had listen to some your gut and power you'll in the know bank. supposed to be. Yeah, you'll have like yeah. you know you'll have had this year have. a power to in the bank. Oh my god, makes everything possible. Power. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> legit power in the bank,
1: but also like within yourself. But you know yeah, what I, mean? I mean it gives you a little more freedom to make choices that you know mm-hmm. some might somebody else might not have. You got to yeah. pay your rent, you know what I mean, yeah. or your mortgage or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. But so I want to know, so you were in, we were just talking about your education and and your charity work, and I want to get back to that. But the point of the story where you were in Madison, Mm -hmm. and then you're back in New York. Like, how did that transpire? So
2: I was in Madison, I would say, for about like three or four months before like the first call to go do something. Musical theater related oh, okay. happened. But this is the other thing. Like, and I've told a handful of people the moment that I was, that blog came out and I was like, nah, I think I'm gonna go do this. It was like my phone would not right. stop ringing. Of course. Everyone that, in New York, they're course. like, she's the only person in the world who can right. play this part. And I was like, <laughs> oh, you guys can all just screw yourselves. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I've been in New York like for the, the last whole time five months. I've been like, here. Looking at your face, being like, what else would you like me to sing? And now I'm the only person. Yeah. So when I went back, I was. You know, I was doing my own thing. And then I think it might have been Lynn was the first one who was like, hey, I know you're doing your thing. Will you come back and do Tick, Tick, Boom with me and Leslie at City Center? And I was like, it's a short thing. Yeah. Mm It's Jonathan Larson. Right. Love him. Yes. So I would just pop back. So every year I did like one thing in that's New York. That's sort of like dreams, uh, I feel like. Short, dreams. You know? And it was small and it wasn't yeah. high profile. And that I, that's why I think a lot of people were very like, oh, she's gone. Because um, I wasn't making a big fuss about it. Right. I was just coming in, doing the work, and then getting right back out. Um, I think when people started to realize that I was like working more steadily was – when I decided to do Hamilton in Chicago. Chicago, because it was like two and a half hours away from my house. That's On a Sunday night after the matinee, maybe, I could get in the car and drive yeah, home and sleep in my own bed. Amazing. I was like, yeah. this yeah. is, like I remember actually like getting in the car after a matinee, getting home, sleeping, and like volunteering at my son's school the next day. And I was like, yo, like I did it. Yeah. This is like it. I won, I, I won the game of dreams. life. Yeah you, <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. But yeah, that was it. I think that, and then at that point, because Hamilton is so well-known, yeah. people are like, oh, she's back on the boards. And then, you know.
0: As- <laughs> right? Well, and what's crazy is this could just be anyone's journey in terms of the ebb and flow of our of business. Our business. Exactly. You know, it's like only because of the blog post you know that became a press release was it even a a thing thing? otherwise it'd just be like what's Karen up to oh well she's just taking time off or she's out in LA or she's in... you know what I mean it's not
1: about because. I mean plenty of people have their conversations with their agents or whatever and like I don't want to audition for the next six months and I just want to take even Celia Keenan bolger was one of our guests and the toll that To Kill a Mockingbird took on her psyche and her ability to do good work she's like I need a minute I need a minute to just be you know And but no one's saying she's left the business, right. no. you know? Right. Oh my it God. It makes a better story that way. You it know does. Right? <laughs> Around that time
2: too, like people Dang were it. like, you know, when they were harping on that, I remember reading something about like all of the great painters, like they would just take years off. <sighs> They'd be like, "Yeah, I did this like whole period, my blue period, and now <laughs> I'm just like getting drunk like in a brothel somewhere, right? right? For years, so yeah. I can like fill up my brain and my right. heart and, and be then be creative I can go, again." Well, why can't we do that? Like why can't we all just decide to like hit pause and be like, "I'm going to do some stuff so that I actually have something to work
0: from." Right. Well, and I think that's something that's come into play as mothers, too, and oh I'm sure you can attest to that like how Ugh. it's influenced what you bring to the table now and how how it has changed you sort of on a cellular level, I'm sure. Oh my sure, gosh. With what you have in the tank.
2: I'm so much softer now. Mm. I was so hard before. And I am much more compassionate because of my kids. I'm also nicer to myself because of mm. my kids because you know that that happens. Yeah. You know, performers, we beat ourselves up. We're never good enough. And then you look at, like I have my... I can't say little because she's 16 now, (laughs) but she's also a very talented performer and she watches me like a hawk Mm. and I watch her watching me practice and I realize I have to be kinder because she's learning from From me. It changes everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I mean, they've made, they've just made me better. It's been my own form of therapy
1: in a lot of ways. Oh, I think there's a lot of truth to that being a parent. I like that. Well, because it makes you examine yourself in a way that you, I certainly didn't before I had children. Right. Like you said, you're seeing yourself through your children's eyes. Yeah. And so you're like, I, I would never want them to treat the, themselves that way. No. So why am I doing it to oh myself? Oh, my God. Yeah. You know?
0: Well, it helps you to just sort of check in, too, about like when you see them and they're so little and vulnerable. And we all were that at some point. Yeah. So to treat ourselves with... Kindness and compassion and love and what we show to them—it's easier to sort of remember, like, oh, I should do that. We don't always succeed. No, no, <laughs> certainly not.
1: <laughs> but um, but it certainly is a helpful reminder. Yeah, I want to talk about the fact that it's—it is such a coup for you to be playing Satine. Yeah, and especially with you know how how iconic that film is and what I probably the general public expected. Mm-hmm. Um visually in that part and talk yeah. to us yeah. about the process of it because i yeah. know i mean i take us down that journey that it
0: was it's been years in the making yeah and two labs i guess and
2: two ten and a half years maybe yeah.
0: yeah um you know
2: like i i was a huge fan of that movie the moment i saw it i was yeah. like yo this is <laughs> this is a musical oh, yeah. like what What's happening? When is this going to happen? When I, is this going to happen? I know. Right? It took so long. so long. We so long. Never in a million years did I ever think I would be a part of it. Because um, I'm not a strong enough dancer to be one of the Moulin Bruce girls.
1: Oh. <laughs> you're killing it. I <laughs> but, saw the show. But, you're
2: doing great. But truthfully, I'm not. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I mean, I thought that they were making a mistake when they asked me to audition. And then they're like, no, we're just like, we're really reimagining it. And I was like, Cool. And then uh, when I guess when it's like that early in a process, you really can put a little bit more of yourself into it. And I learned that within the Heights that, you know, like Vanessa existed for them, but she didn't exist three dimensionally until I walked in the room. And so I just kept throwing up stuff inside the room and then it would end up Mm -hmm. being in the show. And so I tried to do that with Satine Um, having just become a new mom the that sort of maternal instinct that Satine has and her protection of the people that are sort of mm. with her and knowing that she's the breadwinner for the entire right. you know yeah. that sort of thing became Ooh. very um it, it it was at the forefront of everything and so you know in the movie it's more about her wanting to be an actress and get away mm. and in our version she wants to keep bread on the table and doors open yeah. so that her Family can have a place to live, which I completely identified with. Um, you know, there was not as much discussion about me looking different, um, which I, being someone who is definitely, um, you know, a woman of color, it would have been nice if that had been. Mm. Um, I felt very comfortable, though, in the room having Sonia Taya. She's the only woman on the creative team. Uh I, I felt comfortable because there was a, there was more of an emphasis put on me feeling feeling empowered. Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. she's
0: a powerful. I mean, just from the audition process a couple of years ago when I went through it, like her energy is. Yeah. She's a badass. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> she's not gonna take shit. Yeah. So, like, I felt protected. Yeah, exactly. She and was so, on your side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh. So I
2: was, there was never a point at which I felt like I was. Um, I didn't feel tokenism yep. or anything like that yeah. because I could look out and see another woman of color, Sonia, staring mm. in my face. Um, it, it, at points, I thought that it would be hard to be labeled the courtesan and to have all of these horrible tragedies <sighs> befall a woman of color mm, and right. that you know it's we're as just as a general society we we love to see people go through things, we're more attuned to watching women of color suffer. Mm -hmm. That's something that we, you know, Halle Berry won her first Oscar for it. You know, like things like that are very, that's, I I always think about that. But there was a way that it was approached with Alex Timber's very gentle hand that I felt comfortable and secure in that. Um, It's still an issue for me, you know, because... I, you know, we're past the point of New Yorkers coming to see the show. Now mm. there are a lot of people from elsewhere that are coming to see the show that are not as open minded, I would say. Mm. Um, and you know, Jeez, there's such a
1: fascinating
2: there's me. a huge buildup before I come on. I'm yeah. you know, Satina's spoken about she's the most this, that, and the other. She's, you know. So there's a lot of that. And can then, you, you can feel that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there's – without a without a doubt, um, I've – you know, I come down on the swing and I'm, like, in the audience, basically. Yeah. And there are a lot of times – what I want to hear is a, like, right. oh, she's a sparkling diamond. And sometimes I don't hear that. Sometimes I hear dead silence. It's mm. quiet. Oh. And so I'm like, oh, right, right, right. They don't know who you are. They don't know why you look like this. Um, you've been – Announced, they know that you're coming so in the story these people know that you're the right. sparkling diamond and they don't know how to react so now the work oh. begins Oh, Karen. here we go yeah it's, and but that's okay because if you think about it too it's very meta Satine is an underdog she comes yep. from the gutter mm-hmm. she's clawing her way out so it just it becomes a little bit of a a more of an emotional journey for
1: me, Yeah, clawing yeah. your way into their psyche. Yeah, their yeah. You're gonna love is, me.
0: Watch. You're gonna love yeah, me. Right, yeah, right. It doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter. Ca- yeah, it shouldn't matter. Let it me show shoulda- you that it shouldn't matter. Right, exactly. Right. Because <laughs> telling the story has nothing to do with that. No, it so doesn't. She can be anything. No.
1: But there's also power in that someone seeing that visually and experiencing the entire show and seeing you go through that entire journey and hopefully, I don't know, you know, by the end of it. It not it being doesn't. an issue for them. Yeah. You know, I, I I, don't know. I can't speak to the experience, obviously. I would hope but- that for
2: those the people who are, you know, people who are not of color, it's not an issue right. by the end.
1: But what I do
2: know for a fact is that when I go to the stage door, the number of girls who look like me who are standing there... Sort of stunned and thank me for just existing, uh. because I've created space for them in a place in which they didn't feel yeah. that there was mm-hmm. space. That is the thing that I hope it always matters, because mm. that's changing the way that they see the world, yep. um, and they see themselves. Yeah, and they're capable of. Yeah, there was a girl last night. I cannot forget her face. She was just, she was really great. She like gave me her playbill. She looked at me. She was like, "Can you sign this?" And I was like, "Yeah." And when I looked at her face, I was like, "Oh my God, she looks like me. Like she looks like." <gasps> Oh, really? Like a young version yeah. of me, like, a, yeah. like an 18-year-old version of me. And, and then I signed it, and she was like, could I have a picture? And I was like, yeah. And then her mother, who looked like my mom, was standing behind her. She's like, you don't understand. She loves her. She loves you. And then the girl started to cry, and she looked sort of like not embarrassed, but like it's actually happening. Like right. She was like, oh. the thing that I've been waiting for is happening right now. And she kind of like went inward and I was like, you're good. Right. <laughs> but I was like, that was me. You know, yeah. I staged door, like yeah. I didn't yeah. see anybody I who
0: looked was, like me. I was going to say the time when we so were. Different. No, that was it Are was you kidding me? so yeah. different. And to see you in a role where it's not a person of color because it needs to be exactly in terms of the story. You know, you're not. It's not, it's not the color part purple. of the story. It's not, it's not part of the storytelling. You're no. just a person. Yeah. And. That is something that is rare. It's changing some, but mm-hmm. these are the moments when that is we can see that. yeah, the change is happening. It can be slow. yeah, um, but yeah, it's mean- wonderful that Alex and the team
1: and everyone, you know that they. Isn't it crazy that we even have to say how wonderful, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. isn't it crazy that, that, that is still our our, our mentality about it. Like it should be just like, yeah, anybody can play this part. Yeah. Well,
0: the color doesn't matter. I mean, and something that I read was that Latinos in this industry, they're less than 3% of active members of actors equity. Yeah. Less than 3%. Mm-hmm. So man, that's wild, you know, and I think a huge part of that is because of the lack of um, not seeing, you know, back before. Like it was definitely, themselves. they didn't see themselves. And so you can't see, a, if you can't see a place for you, then how do you know there can be one? Right. Right. And um,
1: But for you that- as a kid, you did it without seeing it. without oh. I didn't have a choice, though. <laughs> We've, I forgot Remember? about that. Yes. <laughs> right. right. The dad, dad. Dad drama
0: teacher. Well, and, you know, what Lynn has done, Lynn manuel Miranda Clearly. and um, Hamilton alone, I mean, before that, obviously, but Hamilton has just blown the door, I think, wide open yeah. in a way and made musical theater accessible to maybe kids who would never have given it a second thought. Absolutely. Um, and it's just astounding. And it's so wonderful that that's happening and yeah. so many people are finding us and finding the world that we can create you yeah know, and be inspired to to do it where they live and
1: man yeah. it's awesome yeah and that that kind of circles back to what you were talking about with um education and in different socioeconomic situations and how important bringing theater education is to all the children <laughs> absolutely yeah 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 for sure um well i
0: know this was Ain't that- I think that might. Is there anything you want to talk? about? Yes, well, there. wait. We should talk about before we go. We should talk about the fact that you're not here alone. Oh, right, right, oh, right. We're being filmed. Hey, <laughs> of, for that? a documentary. Tell us what that's all about. What's happening?
2: Yeah, we've been filming for many years. I can't even remember how long it's oh, been wow. since in the heights. Actually, we've been we've been acquiring footage since then over my career. Um, just doing like some small little check ins. Uh, to talk about life and what it's like to make art. and um, sort of it's sort of developed into a conversation about the intersection of commerce and art and mm-hmm. how sometimes uh, there will be well, there'll be a struggle based on that. Um, and so now we're actually we're really just doing it. We're actually, We have so much footage (laughs) Um, and we're gaining more and um, we're starting to go out and talk to other people who have uh, interesting stories and we're making something. And I really feel like there's an educational component to Mm -hmm. it because there is such now with social media, the way that we're like we're curating Mm -hmm. our existence. And there are so many kids who look to social media to see what the world looks like it's not a direct depiction of what's happening and not that I am someone who thinks that you must revel in the struggle but the struggle is part of the learning process Mm -hmm. and the great stuff only happens when you understand what you had to go through to get there and I feel like there's a when I teach kids I see this sort of disconnect Mm -hmm. um they have an idea of what it's supposed to be like and if they do if they don't see that immediately they they think that they haven't gotten it and hopefully with this documentary we'll be able to shed a little bit more truth to what it's like to be an artist and to make things and there's a there's sort of a duality that exists that it's it can be bad and good at the same time mm. And if we can show them that in a medium in which they'll understand because they're not going to listen to TED Talks. Right. <laughs> you know, they don't watch yeah. TED Talks. Yeah. Um, they, maybe they can enter the field with a little bit more confidence and when the things hit them, they don't they don't get flattened and they don't decide mm-hmm. that they're not good enough. They go, oh, right, I remember. I saw in that documentary. Right, things okay. can get really bad and then I pick myself up and it's going to be fine. Um, so that's the longest Explanation of what the documentary is about. Um, but yeah, that's what we're doing. That's
1: so that's cool. so I cool. love that you have footage from such a long time. Like, that's oh, incredible. Is that it's just wild? I'm sure, yeah, it must I, be to go back and oh watch. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So
2: I, I see some of the stuff and I'm like, oh baby Karen. Like yeah. it looks like I'm I just came out of the box. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's <laughs> shocking. I would love to go back and see I, I mean, know, I can't me wait now. I'm super excited. Well, I, I think it's important. I think there's a generation coming up, like you said, that the instant gratification and the expectation that they should come out of the box fully formed and ready to go. And I find this sometimes with work that there is a lack of willingness to work hard, mm-hmm. A, yeah. and uh, put in the effort. Right. And um, maybe, you know, I even see this with Elliot, actually, with my child. Like she, she'll try something and if she's not good at it right away, she wants to stop. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, Elliot, you got to keep practicing because that's when you get better. I was like, you know, mom didn't dance like that when she was five. You know, right. you have to work hard. But it's sometimes it can be difficult to get them to lock in. I think that we're in a world now where the the expectation is just...
1: Well, and we're, we're just um, expected... To have so much output, right? Mm-hmm. Like social media, everything, putting it out there and having it be perfect. And the creation of art is such a process. And there are so many drafts that are mm-hmm. terrible to begin with. Mm-hmm. That to get to that final, and it's never final, please, every performance you go out there and I like, ah, could have done that different. Or I'm sure every production that goes up. There are things that end up in a Broadway show that you're like, that could have been better. You right. Know? It's never, art is never fully finished. Yeah. Um, but you need to fall. You need to fall and pick yourself up again to make it better. Yeah. You know? I think process is the thing that I, I see lacking in
2: most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They they don't even understand like how to get themselves ready to do something. Yeah. No. You know? Yeah. They, they put on the outfit yeah. and I'm they it. have their music. <laughs> right. And they're like, "Oh, I'm ready to go," and I'm like, "Where is your heart and where is your head?" Right. Like, yeah. I know you've warmed up your voice and you have your money notes, but you're not connected to anything.
0: Mm-hmm. You're floating in space. Yep. Yeah. It's not just about belting an E. Oh God, you know, no. you know what I mean? It's like, please no. I mean, it, yeah, but it that's seems the, like it is. Sometimes that's the world the we live way. in it's right really. now. At the yeah. flashier,
1: the better, the more yeah. impressive, mm-hmm. the better. But that's not storytelling or what we're striving for. So. Yeah. No,
0: no we yeah. got to take care of our hearts and our heads, like yeah. you said, and our
1: bodies, which you are mm. the perfect embodiment of taking care of yourself yeah. and listening well, to yourself. Done. So thank you for that. Yes. And thanks, thanks
0: for being here with us. Absolutely. Yes. Guys. We're so this happy awesome. you came. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of mama's talking loud, special shout outs to Rachel Spencer Hewitt for our fabulous graphic Kristen Anderson Lopez, Bobby Lopez, and Justin Ward Weber for our awesome theme song. Our producers, Dory Berenstein, Alan
1: Seals, and of course, the Broadway Podcast Network for bringing us to you. If you like what you're hearing and you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and of course, subscribe and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in.
0: Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Stegert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists. What they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying The Quiet Part Out Loud. Are you listening?